is a treasure. She is a diamond. And though she's been through some rough patches health-wise, you are going to hear from her today at the Radio Backyard Fence. All you need is one name, Johnny. (laughs) But I'll give you all three. Johnny Erickson Tata. I caught up with her last week, and we're going to air this conversation today, only two days before Thanksgiving, and I think it is fitting that we talk with Johnny just before Thanksgiving. And what you're about to hear is pure, Johnny. It's unadulterated encouragement and uplift. In fact, I think if we had Barnabas in the flesh, his voice would sound a little like Johnny's because she is so encouraging and so real. We're going to talk about how she's doing, what she's been through, and how the writings of a man who lived more than 300 years ago have shaped her and helped her through some dark nights of the soul. Our featured resource today is The Practice of the Presence of Jesus, Daily Meditations on the Nearness of Our Savior. Let me just read a quote from that book. Johnny says, suffering has a way of heaving you beyond the shallows of life where your faith feels ankle deep. It casts you out into the fathomless depths of God. We're going to talk about that today at the Radio Backyard Fence. If you want to find out more, go to chrisfabrylive.org. Click today's information. You'll see more about the practice of the presence of Jesus right there. Hey, let me thank our teammates working behind the scenes today. Ryan McConaughey is doing all things technical. Tricia is our producer. Our phone lines are not open today, so we don't have anyone answering the the calls for you since our program's recorded. However, you can call and leave a message for us or give a comment about the program on our listener line. What is the listener line, Chris? I want to call now. It's 866-95-FABRY. Now, that number works also if you want to support what we do at the back fence. Dial that number, press the number one, you leave a message. Press the number two, and I jump up and down like a dancing bear because (laughs) that's how you can support us and be a back fence friend or a back fence partner. Now, let me encourage you to be a partner and give a gift each month. It means a lot because when you do that, when you give each month to the back fence, you get my back fence post every Thursday. You'll receive a video uh, through your email that goes behind the scenes, the extra interviews that we conduct after the program. I'll take a shot of out my window so you can see the chickens in the backyard. We pull back the curtain with the back fence post, so call or click through and become a partner at 866 953 2279. Or give a one-time gift and become a friend. And especially if you've never given, oh, I'd like to put a star by your name. Right now, we're offering a copy of my new novel. It came out just a couple of weeks ago. It's called Saving Grayson. And Grayson is one of the most challenging main characters I've ever tried to write because Grayson has Alzheimer's and you don't know it as a reader, but you don't know whether you can trust him or not. He's headed back to his hometown to solve a murder before his memory escapes him. And Karen wrote to me and said this, I just finished Saving Gracing. You never disappoint. I love how you dole out the portions of the characters' lives piecemeal throughout the story and continuously surprise me. 
And she even tells me her favorite line, which is from a letter that Grayson writes to his wife, Charlotte. He calls her Lottie. I am hoping this story will comfort those who have somebody that they're trying to love well, who have some form of dementia. Or if that's not where you are right now, it will give you empathy for those who are going through it. And uh, I'm hoping it makes a, a, a little less intimidating. So let me send you a copy of Saving Grayson. Give a gift at the website, chrisfabrylive.org. Or you can call that number, 866-953-2279. Or go to chrisfabrylive.org. See how you can be a friend or a partner right there today. All right, we are moments away from Johnny Erickson Tata. And let me prepare you. Her voice is a little on the scratchy, raspy side because of a recent illness. But Johnny at half strength is better than the rest of us at full strength, I think. And one more note when you go to the website. Today would be a great day for you to find out more about CareNet. I've been telling you about CareNet for the last couple of months here. They are a pro-abundant life gospel-infused ministry that cares about the unborn as well as the mother and father going through an unplanned pregnancy. Did you know there's a network of some 1,200 pregnancy centers that serve more than 300,000 women and men every year? People who receive free ultrasounds, free pregnancy tests, pregnancy decision coaching, options counseling. They give material support to those who are trying to care for a baby, or they help with the adoption process, parenting education, and a whole lot more. Maybe somebody you know needs to hear about CareNet. Tell them about it. Have you ever heard about CareNet? Well, you have now. Click the green tab that says CareNet at chrisfabrylive.org. Again, click CareNet at chrisfabrylive.org today. She really doesn't need an introduction, but just in case, more than 50 years ago, a diving accident left Johnny Erickson Tata a quadriplegic. In 1979, she founded Johnny and Friends, a ministry committed to showcasing the gospel to people living with disability. She's written more than 45 books, hosts a radio program, paints and draws and does life with her husband, Ken. Her latest is our featured resource, The Practice of the Presence of Jesus, Daily Meditations on the Nearness of Our Savior. Johnny, welcome back. How are you doing today? Well, I am so grateful to be on, Chris, and just listening to that introduction. Oh, my goodness, I'm tired. Do I really do all that? I can't believe it. That's great. <laughs> well, and you just for the listeners to know, you've been having some health complications in the last few months, uh, and your voice is, you know, you, you've said just before we went on here, it's a, it's a little bit delicate, a little raspy, but you know what? We're going to forge right ahead, aren't we? Let's do it. Why not? Yeah. So so we we can talk about the physical, you know, how you're doing, but... Can you give me an update? For those who have followed you, they probably know some of the ups and downs that you've been through. Uh, tell me, tell me, how are you doing? Well, I'm doing well, although earlier this year, I had a uh, 25 days in the hospital with double pneumonia, and I thought I was over it. In fact, I came out of the hospital and went back to work, and then about two months later, I contracted double pneumonia again. And it just was a wake-up call. Our days are fleeting. 
Uh, our glory is as the grass of the summer field. Uh, we wither and we die. We're but fading, fading bits of smoke and wisps of vapor. It, it, it's, it, it just hit me how I don't have a lot of time left. And so, Chris, I am going to do everything I can to squeeze as much ministry effort out of my body that I possibly can in the time I'm given to uh, do what God has called me to do these many decades, and that is to make the gospel of Jesus real, so very real to people with disabilities around the world who have so little. So I, my voice sounds a little cracky because of that pneumonia. I don't know that I've quite fully recovered. And uh, if I have to stop and catch my breath every once in a while, I'm sure our listeners will understand, don't you think? Absolutely. And you're, you know, it strikes me, and we've been having these conversations for a long time now, but it strikes me that from the very beginning of, you know, God's call on your life, what you just said has not changed. You may have less time now than you did back then, but that passion is still there, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, what does is, what is Peter say in his first epistle? Um, oh, he says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And I love this part. Do not be slothful in zeal. No matter what age you are, no matter how many aches and pains, no matter how physically limited you may be, do not be slothful and zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. And uh, Chris, when I get to heaven, I mean, I just want to burst through the pearly gates at full speed, run through the tape, collapse on the sandy beach of the celestial shore, gasping, heaving, I made it, I made it, and, and, and then roll over on my back with eyes closed and just lie there for a moment. And I think I'm going to feel maybe a shade, a shadow crossing my face, and I'll open my eyes, and I'll look up, and it'll be Jesus, and he will say, oh, sweetheart, welcome home. It was hard back there, wasn't it? But don't worry, hon, you're, you're home now. You're safe now. I can't wait for that day. And until that day, I am going to expend as much grace-inspired energy as I can to reach, uh, like I said, the world's disabled for Christ. It's my calling, and I love it. I'm passionate about it. Yeah. And I'm just grateful to God that I've got health and strength to do it. Johnny Erickson Tata is with us today. The Practice of the Presence of Jesus is our featured resource, Daily Meditations, on the nearness of our Savior. You can find it at the website, chrisfabrylive.org, chrisfabrylive.org. More with Johnny straight ahead on Moody Radio. Johnny Erickson Tata is with us today. She's written along with John Sloan, The Practice of the Presence of Jesus, which should trigger another uh, person, another book from antiquity in your mind. We're going to talk about that. Daily Meditations on the Nearness of Our Savior. You can find that featured resource at the website, chrisfabrylive.org, chrisfabrylive.org. Before we get to the, uh, the Brother Lawrence, I want to go from the physical that you just talked about, breaking the tape in heaven and and running and having Jesus say, welcome home. 
and I have to say, one of these days in heaven, you and I are going to have to run a 100-yard dash or maybe a marathon together. Are you up for that? Definitely will do it. Don't worry. <laughs> All right, so let's move from the physical to the spiritual. For anyone who has not heard your story, can you tell us basically, just give us a flyover of your spiritual journey through the years? Well, uh, as many of our listeners may know, I was a active, healthy uh, teenager, uh, took a reckless dive into shallow water, broke my neck, it snapped my head back, I crunched my cervical vertebrae, severing my spinal cord. And I've lived for 56 years in a wheelchair without use of my hands or my legs. And as most people would guess, I was very depressed at first. But thankfully, there were caring Christian friends who just rallied around me, prayed for me. They kept me connected to reality. They kept me from withdrawing into social isolation. They loved on me. They, they just treated me like their friend. And I really do think it was their prayers. You know, people often ask me, how did you how did you get up out of depression after breaking your neck? And I I point to people's prayers because I, I really think when it comes to depression, uh, we wrestle not against the uh, flesh and blood of spinal cord injury or a bad marriage or a boring job or, you know, a, a, a poor, poor bank balance. Well, we, we wrestle against powers and principalities that love nothing more than to take our disadvantages in life and turn them into uh, reasons to plummet into depression. But we don't need to. We don't have to. Um, God tells us his grace is sufficient. And so these friends reminded me of these basic truths. And I just started building on them, Chris. And that was many, many years ago. And once I began to experience such peace in my life and contentment, just knowing Christ, just seeing that how he could make me happy, even in a wheelchair, then I wanted to pass these blessings on to others. And so next year, Johnny and Friends, which is the ministry I started way back when, Johnny and Friends will celebrate 45 years wow. in outreach. And uh, I'm just grateful I've got the health and strength to keep working at that ministry and doing what I do, passing on the blessings to others who have so little. His strength is made perfect in weakness. I mean, that you exude, you live that out every day, right? Well, that is God's way of having us live, um, not to be ashamed of our weaknesses, not to drug them or medicate them or surgically exorcise them or divorce them or run away from them, um, but to live with them and not in our own energy, but to present those weaknesses to God and just simply say, I can't do this. Lord Jesus, I have no strength for this, but you do. Uh, so I can't do quadriplegia. I can't do life, but I can do all things through you as you strengthen me. And I, I think uh, if King David in the Psalms, King David could say, I am poor and needy, then we ought to be able to say it. I mean, if the king of Israel, the mighty King David, sees himself as poor and needy, we should wake up in the morning and, and not forget how needy we are and how poor we are 
without the grace of God. Without him, we can do nothing. And Chris, if my life were to be spent um, in reminding anyone of anything, I would, I would ask them not to run out the front door on automatic cruise control, but to recognize your need of God when you walk out the front door. For he gives grace to the humble, that is those people who recognize they're poor and needy, but he resists the proud, people who think they can uh, go at it in their own steam, they're self-reliant, self-resourceful. So I, I don't want to live that way, and I encourage other people to uh, to see themselves as requiring the grace of the Lord Jesus every morning as well. It's what I do. It's how I live. Yeah. I think that may be one of the—you've touched on a nerve of, from my own life as I listen, because if you get competent at doing something, you can do that. You can go on your own steam and be, oh, I got this, Lord, you take care of all the big stuff that's going on out there. But if you see, if you humbly look at yourself and you see how poor in spirit you are and how much you need God, then you give him space to work rather than you doing it all yourself and doing it in your own steam, as you said. And we do it based on the Bible promises, don't we? I mean, each of us uh, should wake up in the morning and, I don't know, pick a Bible promise, any promise. And bring it to the Lord in exchange for the blessings that that promise guarantees. I'm thinking of something that happened to me last summer, Chris. I was, I was uh, with Ken uh, vacationing up in the uh, Sierras. And um, it was a big house that friends had lent us. And my helper uh, stayed across uh, the hallway in her own room while Ken uh, got a break, got a rest from my needs. And he stayed down at the far end of the house. Well, the middle of the night, I called my friend through the, uh, you know, baby monitor that we had hooked between our rooms, and she didn't answer. And it was 1 a.m., and I was in such pain. I just couldn't. I needed to be readjusted. I'm paralyzed, and I can't do it myself. So I called for her, and there was no answer. And I called again louder, still no answer, screaming, and still no answer, and I can feel panic begin rising because I know I'll never make it all the way to seven o'clock in the morning in this condition and such pain. So rather than panic, I decided to scream every single Bible promise I could think of. Oh, God, you are my ever-present help. You promise you'll never leave me or forsake me. I, I'm screaming because I want her to hear me, but I'm also trying to calm my own heart. Your grace is sufficient. You promised to fight my battles for me. I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. And finally, she burst through the room apologizing. Apparently, she had the volume too low. But the wonderful thing was, I wasn't angry. I wasn't resentful. I wasn't, I wasn't mad at her for being irresponsible with the volume button on the baby monitor. I, those Bible promises helped calm my heart, and they gave me courage to be able to lie there for that hour screaming Bible promises until she finally woke up. But that's how much I need Jesus. He is my, according to John chapter 6, he's the, he's the flesh I eat. He is the blood I drink. That's how close God wants us to abide in him 
to be that branch that sinks deep into the vine and lets that sap run through. You know, it's Thanksgiving week, and right there is a wonderful thing to be thankful for, the energy and grace and strength and power that God gives in our weakness. Yes. And for baby monitors, too, because uh, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's right. a wonderful thing when they work, right? Uh, or when well, they turn like out. I like to call them quad monitors. It's, there you it's, go. It's, okay, it's not a baby monitor. It's a quad <laughs> monitor. <laughs> um, you know, Johnny, Brother Lawrence, let's go back 300 years or so, because people still read that book today. And you include some of Brother Lawrence's insights in your you know, about following Jesus in this book. Why do you think that book has stayed around for so long? Well, you're right. It has stayed around a long time. In fact, uh, Chris, I read uh, Brother Lawrence's The Practice of the Presence of God when I was in high school. It was a phenomenon back 50-some-odd uh, years ago in school, and perhaps you read it way back when as well. And I think the reason it resonated so much with me in high school and still does with many people is that here's a humble Carmelite monk in the 1600s, and he's assigned kitchen duty, scrubbing pots and pans and floors and latrines and the monastery hallways. And, and yet he embraces it as the most glorious service to his God that he can possibly have. He has no resentment. He has no um, envy or jealousy of other, other, other brothers in, in, the, in the monastery. No, he, he embraces this. He finds God in the middle of his most menial tasks. And I think that's what all of us want. We we want our we want our practice in faith to be that every day, that moment by moment. We want to see God in everything, but how do we do it? Well, it, during the COVID years, um, most of us were sequestered, and I turned to my bookshelf rereading some Christian classics I had. Uh, read many, many years ago. And there I found Brother Lawrence's old book, the tattered copy of The Practice of the Presence of God. And when I reread it, I thought, oh my goodness, this is so applicable for today. This is applicable to me even now. And as I read it, I realized that so much of Brother Lawrence's enjoyment of finding God in the everyday ordinary duties of life were paralleling my own experience, because I find um, the, the, the presence of Christ, the presence of Jesus in the most ordinary, mundane things, gratitude for um, the fact that I can sit up in a wheelchair. So many of my quadriplegic friends cannot. Uh, gratitude that I have a hot meal on the table. My goodness, half the time, Ken and I, when we bless our meal, it's, oh God, 99.9% .9 of the world would love to have this lean cuisine. And, and here we are enjoying it. And most people don't even have this. And, and so seeing Christ in the small, everyday, ordinary aspects of life, it gives such joy. I think it demonstrates to God our gratitude for his grace and and so I decided during the COVID years to journal my own practicing of Christ's presence. As we mentioned earlier, 
I was in the hospital this year with double pneumonia twice. And I don't know, maybe some people would see that as a rude interruption to their otherwise ordinary life. But I saw it not as the detour, but the main highway. This is the path God has me on, and it's the main path. And so I realized that these are ways that I can make Christ real to everyone around me. And so people would come in, the doctors, nurses, nurses' aides, the janitor, the cafeteria ladies carrying trays. This lady, 4 a.m., drawing blood from me. I look up at her and I say, you know, you remind me of a proverb in the Old Testament. Proverbs 14.31 says, Blessed is he who is kind to the needy. He honors God. And I said to this woman drawing my blood, you are honoring God because I am so needy and you are being so kind to me. (laughs) She laughed, but she said, thank you for that. And these are just small ways we practice Christ's presence. Um, Seeing our everyday ordinary circumstances as the main highway, as a chance to shake salt and shine light and make people hungry and thirsty for Jesus. It's the way I enjoy living, and it's why I enjoyed writing this book, The Practice of the Presence of Jesus. It was such fun to put together. You're a treasure, Johnny, and uh, we're praying for more air for your lungs so that you can continue our conversation. If you go to the website, chrisfabrylive.org, you'll see that book subtitled Daily Meditations on the Nearness of Our Savior, Again, the practice of the presence of Jesus. You can find it at chrisfabrylive.org, chrisfabrylive.org. More straight ahead on Moody Radio. This is Chris Fabry live on Moody Radio. Special guest today, Johnny Erickson Tata. She's not with us live. Don't call our phone line. But I hope you'll listen to what we have for you straight ahead. And I want to read, while Johnny catches her breath a little bit, from the book, The Practice of the Presence of Jesus. She writes, I love practicing the presence of my Savior in the dark of night when I cannot sleep. Rather than contend with anxiety, I empty out my heart and pour the beauties of Jesus into it. I fill it with love words for Him, each borrowed from the Bible— O Jesus, to me you are altogether lovely, the fairest of ten thousand, the bright and morning star, my bridegroom for whom I long. You are the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley. Your love is more delightful than wine. Your name is like perfume poured out from the Song of Songs. The heart cannot stay filled with muddled thoughts when its hollows are overflowing with the loveliness of Christ. And then she writes, The next morning I feel refreshed for having lingered in Christ through the night. I wake up a slightly changed person, more settled and content. It's a feeling that God is happy with me, but it's not the smug feeling of being more holy or more righteous or sensing that I have impressed God for having focused so much on His Son. Rather, I feel less holy. I am more aware of my sin less convinced of my stainless reputation. 
The fact that I feel more like Paul, the chief of sinners, is an indication that my heart is now a set-apart dwelling where the Spirit of Jesus is pleased to reside. My beautiful Savior has revealed my ugliness of soul, and I fall before Him, happy that He is what my heart needs. He's my everything, my all in all. And Johnny, that echoes something that I have said an awful lot, and that is the the more I get closer to God, the more holiness of His I see, the more sin in me I see. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Oh, that is such a good thing, such a good thing, that we know the sins of which we are capable, that none of us become so smug and uh, self-righteous that that we are that we are above cleansing and repentance, and you know salvation just doesn't happen to us when we first believe. Salvation happens every day, doesn't it? Amen. Chris, as you were reading, I, I was thinking of just a few nights ago. I was in a lot of uh, pain. I deal with neuropathic pain, and as I get older, it's getting a little worse, and it could make me feel very anxious. I could be lying there at two o'clock in the morning. And thinking, oh, I can't stand this. Why do I have to go through this as well as quadriplegia? Lord, you're giving me too much. I mean, I could get anxious, but anxiety only makes pain worse. It only exacerbates the discomfort. And so instead, what I do is I talk to my pain and I quote it scripture. I, I, I tell it that will not, it will not overcome me because I am the overcomer. I am more than the conqueror. Even in pain, I say to pain, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 8 says that you are hard pressing me on all sides, but you will not crush me because I am promised by my Savior that I will not be crushed. And then I I, I walk into pain. I enter it as though I were entering uh, Nebuchadnezzar's fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and expecting to find Jesus there. And sure enough, I'm never disappointed. I find him there. He has already gone ahead of me. He has transformed that place of pain into a place where I can encounter him and see something of his loveliness and his ability to sustain me even in my pain. And when I breathe deeply... And think about my Savior and rehearse all those many titles and names for him, just as you um, rehearsed. I, I end up going back to sleep invariably. And I wake up the next morning, just as you just read, a slightly different Johnny than I was yesterday. And, and I love that. Yeah. My weakness is uh, something in which I can boast because I know God's power rests on me. Even in the middle of the night with all that pain, I I find Jesus there. He's a, he transforms it into a place of encounter with him. And that's a very good thing. You know, you remind me with this talk of pain of a man named Tim Hansel. I think you, do yes. you remember Tim? Okay. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, because Tim had, is very athletic and he climbed mountains and he fell, fell off of one and basically physically, uh, lived with pain the rest of his life. And I remember asking him one time, which is worse, emotional pain or physical pain? 
and I could still see his face, you know, he's kind of thinking about it. He said, well, Chris, both of them stink. <laughs> I don't like either <laughs> one of them. But this man who experienced such crushing physical pain, like you've just described, said emotional pain was more difficult for him because of of the inside nature of it and the an uncontrollable nature of the emotional pain. And there, there's probably somebody listening to us right now who's going through that. Well, one of my favorite scriptures is from Isaiah 43, um, where God says, don't be afraid. I always like to add sweetheart there. Don't be afraid, sweetheart. I've ransomed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I'll be with you. Sweetheart, when you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. That's the way I like to hear Jesus talk to me in his word. You know, even to your old age and gray hairs, I'm he. I'm he who's going to sustain you. I've made you. I'm going to carry you. I will rescue you. Such good words when you when you repeat them to yourself with the kind of passion and emotion that no doubt the Holy Spirit wrote them in Holy Writ in the first place. And we have a Savior who, he hates suffering. He, 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 Jesus spent most of his time on earth trying to relieve suffering. But as I've often said, Chris, and you've heard me say it on your program, God permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves. And what does he love? Christ in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. And God shares that on his own terms. And those terms call for us to, in some measure, suffer as uh, his own suffered son suffered when he walked on earth. So, Yeah, but there's somebody saying to you, God is supposed to do what I want him to do. He's supposed to relieve you. He shouldn't be allowing all this. And, and if you, you know, in that theological framework, he's punishing you. If you do something wrong, then he punishes you with pain. But what you're saying is God is accomplishing in the pain and the struggle and the suffering of your life good things that you you don't know what it is right now, but he's conforming you to the image of his son day by day. And and even coming through your voice today, as str- much of a struggle as it is with your lungs and breathing, he's doing that in you and through you. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Hebrews tells us that Jesus learned obedience to the things that he suffered. That is, Jesus and his humanity was made complete the things that he suffered and he was tempted he was tempted to he was tempted in all ways like we are he was probably tempted to to just explode when when a when a rock fell on his foot in the carpenter shop i mean he, he he was tempted in every way like we are yet he submitted to his father's will because he had his eye fixed on a higher prize and we need to do the same it's why colossians says set your heart your mind on things above Suffering only makes sense in light of eternity. And one day we're going to get to heaven and we're going to look in our rear view mirror and we're going to probably say what St. Sebastian said. He said, oh boy, I hope I can remember the quote. He said, when we get to heaven, we won't be surprised that we suffered. We will be surprised that we suffered so badly on earth or something to that effect. I don't want to suffer badly. I want to suffer well, because Scripture says it's accruing for me. My good response in suffering is accruing for me. It's accruing for our listeners, an eternal weight of glory that 
far supersedes any inconvenience of affliction or disappointment or hardship here on earth. I don't want to diminish that. I don't want to waste that. I don't want to jeopardize that. So I want to do everything I can to uh, get myself actively engaged in my own sanctification, my own becoming like Christ, and suffering's the tool that God is going to use to shape me. Johnny Erickson Tata is with us. I have one more question in uh, in our last segment, because Thanksgiving's just a couple of days away. This is a great book for your meditation going into the new year, especially The Practice of the Presence of Jesus, Daily Meditations on the Nearness of Our Savior. It's our featured resource today. Just go to chrisfabrylive.org, chrisfabrylive.org. Thanks for joining us today at the Radio Backyard Fence. Just two days to Thanksgiving, and look who we have here, a special recorded broadcast with Johnny Erickson Tata. Her latest is The Practice of the Presence of Jesus, Daily Meditations on the Nearness of Our Savior. Just go to chrisfabrylive.org. As I've been listening to Johnny throughout this hour, there's a verse that's been going through my mind, and that is, greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. And the enemy, I think the enemy doesn't like you very much. In fact, you have been a dangerous foe to that devil. Do you realize that? (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. But I I tend to agree. I think that uh, for any of our listeners who suffer, um, and, and, you know, that could be the water main bursting in your house, your floor floods, your neighbors rush over to help. And if they see you have a good attitude about it all, the devil hates that. I mean, he's the devil wants you to be cursing and complaining in front of your neighbors. What a poor witness that would be, however. And so I think our adversary despises anyone who in the face of any inflict affliction, whether it's water all over the kitchen floor or whether it's paralysis or whether it's a pink slip at work or whether it's a a ruined, smeared reputation, whatever it is, if we can but have a gracious response in our worst of trials and have a grateful heart that uh, exudes our confidence in Christ, what a witness, what a powerful testimony to skeptics and cynics and neighbors and co-workers and college dorm mates who look on. They look at us and think, whoa, how great her God must be to inspire that kind of loyalty. I, I got to find out more what this woman believes. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. And that's it's that kind of spirit. Well, and let's take it into Thanksgiving. Just a couple of days away, there's a lot to complain about in, in, in people's lives. And maybe there's they're not they have to work on Thanksgiving or they're they're alone on Thanksgiving and they want to be a part of a, a relationship and a family and they're alone. You say you cannot make a heart feel grateful. Can you talk about that? What you can do is mouth thankfulness, not in a hypocritical way, but in such a way where, God, I'm not thankful. I'm not grateful, but I want to be. And so I'm going to start small. I'm going to give thanks for the fact that I've got a warm meal sitting here on the table in front of me. I'm going to give thanks for the fact that I'm going to walk over a dessert to my next door neighbor afterward 
and wish them well. I'm going to give thanks that my my sister called me today from back east. We had a sweet conversation. You just start small, start giving thanks for things you can give thanks for. And as you mouth thankfulness, you, you, your emotions are going to catch up. God will reward you with feelings of thankfulness. And it is a matter of obedience in everything give thanks, we're told. And uh, the Bible thinks there's no need to complain. Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, do everything without complaining, it says. Is that true? Can we possibly do that? Well, the Bible thinks so. So do everything without complaining. And I, I, I'm going to challenge everybody uh, who's listening in uh, when they sit around the Thanksgiving table, no matter if it's just you and a friend, you and your spouse, or maybe if you're just alone or if it's a big gathering, whatever it is, take a moment to go around the table and rehearse at least three things for which you are thankful, thankful to God and uh, express how he has changed you through having a heart of gratitude. Um, nothing pleases the Lord more than seeing his children be grateful. We've been given so much, so much. We're so wealthy in this country, no matter how impoverished we are, that we uh, ought to have plenty of reasons to count our blessings around the table. I love it that you can be so honest with God that you can say, God, I'm thankful today that I'm not thankful and you've pointed that out to me, <laughs> you know, and you can just say you're, you're allowing yourself this space to be who you are rather than trying to be somebody else. There's just freedom there. And this book is so good, Johnny. It's so it's so you with the artwork that's included as well as the words, all those words in there in the practice of the presence of Jesus. Let me throw one more verse at you before we end. This will be a good way to end. Uh, Psalm 23, one of my favorites. People know this as, you know, great literature. It's a great poem. But verse 6 says, indeed, or as I learned it as a kid, surely, surely goodness and mercy shall pursue me or follow me all the days of my life. What does that mean to you? Oh, isn't that a wonderful thought? That God has this great reservoir of goodness and mercy, and he's unlocked the floodgates and this reservoir is just cascading toward us, rushing toward us. And all we need to do is open our arms, open our eyes, open our heart and receive from God. He is actively pursuing us, running after us. He has left the 99 in the field. And if we are but an ounce wayward, he's after us. He's, he's securing us. He's reaching out to us. How could we not respond to such love? Dare we straddle the middle of the fence? That's the devil's territory anyway. Dare we try to straddle the middle of that fence, but, but just run to Jesus? How can we refuse that kind of love? So if, 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 if we would but see the extent of Christ's love for us, us dog-nasty junkyard, dog-nasty sinners, and what he's done to pursue us. Oh, how could we not respond with gratitude and thanksgiving, on, especially on this Thanksgiving week? Yeah. Johnny, every time I've heard you or we've had you on the program and I had a conversation with you, I leave encouraged and uplifted. And I don't care what your voice sounds like. I, you know, <laughs> I know, and it's painful for you, but every time 
just something happens and it comes through you. And if we were live here, there would be people who are on the phone saying exactly the same thing. Thank you, Johnny, for being you. And don't you stop. Well, he's the breath in my lungs and I pour out my praise, pour out my praise. And I gather everybody else listening today can do the same. Amen. Hey, is there a hymn? Is there, there's the guy, and you just sang a little bit. I mean, I like that, but uh, you you love hymns. Is there a verse of a hymn? Oh, I do. Okay. This is my love song to Jesus, and it was written by, it was either Bernard of Clairvaux or Theophilus of, I'm not sure who it was written by, but it was written a long time ago. Jesus, I am resting, resting. In the joy of what thou art, I am finding out the greatness of thy loving heart. Thou hast bid me gaze upon thee, and thy beauty fills my soul. For by thy transforming power, thou hast made me whole. Oh, Chris, I can't sing like I used to, but it sure is from my heart. Simply trusting thee, Lord Jesus, I behold thee as thou art. art. And thy love, so pure, so changeless, satisfies Satisfies my heart. Satisfies my heart. (laughs) See, you know this. This is down deep in your soul, and it just kind of comes spilling out. You've done it, Johnny. Thank you for gracing us with your presence here. And God bless you, friend. I'm going to have my my listeners pray for you. So you in on Tuesday afternoon, you just see if you don't feel those lungs opening up and an extra amount of breath coming in. Oh, that's wonderful to think about that. And I thank our listeners even right now for interceding for me. That's so special. God bless you, friend. Come back. Let's have another conversation, okay? Okay, Chris. Love you much. Father, thank you for Johnny. Thank you for her heart. And though her body is is not in the best condition, she used it for your glory. Would you do that for us? Would you use us in your service? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Practice of the Presence of Jesus by Johnny Erickson Tata. Daily Meditations on the Nearness of Our Savior. Again, it's our featured resource. Let me close with this. The third verse of Jesus, I am resting. Ever lift thy face upon me as I work and wait for thee, resting neath thy smile, Lord Jesus, earth's dark shadows flee, brightness of my Father's glory, sunshine of my Father's face, keep me ever trusting, resting, fill me with thy grace. May that be the prayer that God answers in your life today. And thank you so much for listening to our conversation with Johnny, Eric, Santata. Don't miss tomorrow's special Thanksgiving, day before Thanksgiving, with Dr. Leland Riken, right here on Chris Fabry Live, a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Mm-hmm.